You're now listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here, we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Tom Castelli here today with Nathan Long, certified IRA service professional and president of Quest Trust Company. In this episode, we discuss how to build wealth through self-directed retirement accounts, plus the wealth building power of an HSA, also known as a health savings account, to not only grow your retirement assets, but also pay for the medical expenses of you and your family. Before we dive right into today's episode, we do want to remind everybody about the Tax Smart Real Estate Investor Facebook community. There are currently over 2,300 members and counting with a ton of great conversations on real estate investing and taxes taking place right now with real estate investors of all levels. To join, visit facebook.com slash group slash tax smart investors or simply search tax smart real estate investors on Facebook to join today. We'll see you there, but for right now, we're going to dive right into today's episode. Nathan, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners a little information on your background? Hey, man, I really appreciate you having us here today. Um, I think that our background or what Quest does has a lot to do or could really help uh, a lot of your listeners. Um, so I'm excited for them, too. But it's really pretty simple what Quest does. My name is Nathan Long. I'm president of Quest Trust Company. And unlike other trust companies, all we do is we specialize in self-directed accounts. So in other words, people that have retirement accounts, instead of holding publicly traded assets, we simply hold private assets. Uh, and the way our company makes money is we charge transaction fees who are pretty small as, as they do it. So what we do is simple. What you can do with it can be very complicated and fun based off of your knowledge of investments, especially private investments. People, different people, some people use it to, um, you know, buy like private stock or syndication or be a passive investor into a syndicated deal. Others may use it to loan money directly out of a um their IRA or directly purchase direct real estate out of the IRA. And there's advantages and disadvantages to a lot of it, depending on who and what you are and what strategy you uh, apply. Absolutely. So I, so basically a self-directed retirement account, such as a self-directed IRA or, or solo 401k or self-directed 401k, these are accounts basically allow you to invest in alternative investments, such as real estate that you can't necessarily do with you know, just, just some, just some of the right. things. I mean, the reality of it is there's really no such thing as a self-directed IRA. That's a marketing term that we kind of use to describe it. The problem is, is most of those type of accounts are held by a financial advisor and they have a, a financial duty to you and they're selling you investment stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Doesn't make them bad guys. I'm just trying to describe what they do, which is totally different than what we do. We, we have to maintain a complete neutral outfit and that's what allows you to hold private placements and companies, private real estate holdings, these other private holdings. Actually, most of my clients have, have an account in both places. They have an account with their traditional custodian, an account, they do the weird stuff with us and they do the, and then they transfer back and forth because you don't want to leave a lot of cash sit with your self-directed custodian because it just sits around, right? You, use, you move it back and forth as needed. As long as you understand how to do that, that's how most of my clients do it. Got it. Got it. So 
when it, when it comes to uh, you know, so a lot of our listeners uh, they tend to use self directed IRAs or so, solo four hundred one ks to invest in syndicates right. or notes because it's very passive. They just have to make the decision to invest. They they'll instruct the custodian to go ahead and make that investment for them. But we every so often we do have some investors who want to own property directly. Uh, like you mentioned, you can own it directly through through one of these accounts. I guess would you be able to take us through that, like what that would look like, oh, so they don't run. I'd love to because I think that's maybe one of the best investment strategies for a lot of people. Granted, this is a work strategy; it's not the passive strategy. But I think that we're we're moving into some different times right now. We're going into inflation, right? And so, what do, what is it you do in an inflationary period, especially if you if you think that it's going to be long term? You want to buy assets using somebody else's money. Well, if you could do that and then do it in a tax-free account, now you're doubling down, right? Assets, someone else, and you can. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, but the reason why I'd argue that that's a good investment right now, um, even if it's hard to find rental properties, the deals aren't that good. If, you're, if you can use long, other people's money, it works uh, really well. But first, self-directed IRA, it's really no different. You choose the investment and then you just have to tell us, each step what we're doing. In other words, I'm going to pay these bills on it. And it's really, really simple to do once you have the idea of what you want to do. I want to buy a rental property and hang on to it. Again, I love rental properties right now because building cost is going up so much. Sometimes you can buy a house cheaper than you can build it and then cash flow it and hang on to it. Sign me up because I don't think that those lower end houses are going down in most parts of the country, at least not where there's decent jobs available. Oh yeah, because with the affordable housing, it's definitely you know there's always a shortage of for affordable housing these days. And I guess to your point, if you can get in now and just hold it in your retirement account, you know why not? Um, you know how does one? Is there any? Is anything? Does, okay, excuse me. So is there anything that anybody has to be worried about when it comes to uh, the self uh, self dealing rules or the oh, prohibited yeah. transactions when it comes to doing that? Yeah, Thomas, thank you for for bringing me back down to reality a little bit because. A self-directed IRA is a really cool, powerful tool, but I think what you're alluding to is that it also could be a very dangerous tool if we don't apply the right education and knowledge to it, you know, um, and I think that we're well suited to do that, but it just takes a little, little bit of time. Yeah, you must understand, like you said, the self-dealing rules are people that you can't buy, sell, trade, extend services to disqualified persons. In other words, your IRAs are basically set up for your future. So you can't get a benefit or direct members of your family like your spouse or lineal ascendants or descendants can also get a, it's, it's for the purposes of investing. So you almost got to separate out your IRAs and your personal funds and invest them a little bit differently. Um, and it should also be treated as, I think, in my opinion, your most special money. Like a lot of people almost like pretend like their retirement money's their their like spendthrift money. Oh, I don't really see it. I'm thinking, no, that's your like most valuable investment money you got because you can have it grow tax free, especially with the new Roth conversion laws, rules, and things like that. So, uh, but some people just get crazy with it, like gamble. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because they're not seeing it. So I think you got to be a little bit cautious with it. But but. Um, if you can take a little bit of time and understand those few rules, like you said, the self-dealing rules, which you're not supposed to do there, um, and understand that you're directing your custodian 
and how to use that custodian systems, uh, you know, with all the modern systems they have, this has become very easy. It was very cumbersome when we started 20 years ago, you know, everything had to be handwritten paperwork and all that, but with the computers and all that, it's so easy to have uh, a piece of real estate or a syndication or any of that inside the IRS. I think the bigger mistake people make are more tax planning type of mistakes in these types of investments and those type of things. And that just comes typically from not doing enough education in the beginning. That makes a lot of sense. So basically, you know, kind of, so in summary, you can't really invest necessarily um, with through a self-directed IRA with yourself. So I can't go buy 50% of my rental property with my IRA and then 50% of the rental property. Uh Okay. Now we're getting tricky, Thomas. Okay. So let's, let's give the situation. If I was doing a syndication, I'm going to buy an apartment complex. I'm the lead into this deal. I'm putting my credit forward into the deal. I could not use my IRA or my spouse's IRA or any of that in my deal because I'm the syndicator and I'm receiving a personal benefit. But you almost, you talked about something that's different. Matter of fact, you talked about something that I really love to do, which is partnering disqualified people. Often, now, most of the time when I'm doing it, I I do separate my IRAs and my personal people. But my IRA and my wife's IRA is just as disqualified as I am to my IRA. And what you said is, you can't go buy a house and I pay half of it and you pay half of it and you're wrong. I actually could do that. I just can't buy, sell, trade, and extend services to each other. So if I did that, as expenses occurred, they would all have to be split exactly according to percentages ownership. And as income came back in, it's a a split. But if you do this and learn how to do it, sometimes this is great because you might have a lot of small accounts or know a lot of people that have a lot of small accounts, right? You might have a large account, but then you have your son's little Roth IRA and your wife's health savings account. These accounts aren't very large. And so it's really hard to invest with them. But if you can piggy tail them on top of your other account by partnering disqualified people together, man, that's powerful. And I got to tell you, Thomas, there's something, if you learn how to do this, that is the biggest benefit to you ever. And that is learning to educate your family. A lot, you may have run into my son. He is a certified IRA specialist at Quest. He is super bright. He's a good investor in his young 30s. He's got lots of investments. And you know, Thomas, he was just like that when he was 18. No, I'm lying through my teeth. The kid was like every other 18-year-old kid, right? Yeah. You know? But what I did is I took, I gave him $5,000 in a Roth IRA and I partnered it with my IRA. Okay. And then I allowed him to see, and I I specifically did some complicated investments at times. And over time, he learned by showing him while he was going through college, he was getting a separate education, learning how to invest. And I think that that's so important that parents learn how to teach their children through showing them. And the only way to show with them is really partnering them in investments. They have to have some skin in their own game. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that, that brings up a good point because, you know, one of the strategies we often talk about with our clients is how to pay their children to work in their businesses. Yes. So then they have that earned income that they, they can go and put into that Roth IRA. And then the question always becomes, you know, what, what should we invest it in? And of course, we can't give investment advice at this point, but, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see that, okay, well, you can actually partner up 
um, with the IRA as long as the money's split according to the percentage right. interest. It sounds like that's the way you get around the prohibited transactions or the you know the disqualified. Yeah, you're not really getting around them. You're just using the rules as they were meant to be used, and, and partnering is okay. If you're going to do something like that, take the time to pick up the phone, talk to an IRA specialist. It's free to make sure that you're not doing something silly. You know, you can just kind of talk through it. They can't. They can't give you tax legal or investment advice, but they can certainly tell you if you're doing something that isn't pr appropriate. It, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. You just want to run by and make sure, hey, does yeah. my plan, am I going to be violating any rules with this plan? Because uh, to your point before, you want to make sure that uh, you're doing everything right so you don't run into any trouble because these accounts can be very lucrative or very dangerous if you don't do things right. So yeah, and we dance that same dance that you have to dance, right? You you need to provide education to your clients so that they can make good decisions for themselves, but you can't make those decisions for them. Absolutely. They have to they, at the end of the day, all I could do is present the options. I could present right. if you do this, then this is going to happen. Now it's up to you to make a decision on what you want to do. Um, but you know, another question we get a lot from our clients and is like we we have the SEP IRA, like we have some self-employed clients. Um, and they, and they sometimes ask SEP IRA for solo 401k. And our answer is always, if you're going to be investing in syndicates, multifamily syndicates, the solo 401k, you know, avoids UDFI, but want to get your take on, on, you know, if you had, a well, I mean, it depends. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. If an IRA is a powerful tool, then a solo 401k is a super powerful tool, right. Um, and super dangerous. So they're only if you do have self-employment income and don't have any common law employees and you're going to invest in syndication, it's really clear that that's the way to go because you don't pay any tax outside. You avoid what we're referring to. People don't know. I think most of you would, but unrelated business income tax as it relates to debt financing. If we buy an apartment complex and get a loan, which is the way we always buy them. Right, that could affect, or we, our IRA has to fill out a 990T and pay taxes. But if we do that same investment, hold it for at least a year in a solo 401k, boom, it's just like a free freebie. The, the tax literally just goes away, which is amazing because in a 401k now, you can have Roth components. You can even do Roth conversions inside. You can't move Roth money in, but you're triple doubling down Roth money inside a 401k, borrowing someone else's money, and then uh, not paying tax and avoiding the, the UBIT. Super powerful. What's the dangers? You are not being overseen by an IRA specialist like whenever you use a custodian like Quest, right? They see it and they see you doing something obviously prohibited. They're going to talk to you about it. And they're right there doing it. You're on your own. You have a huge amounts of record keeping that you have to be able to be able to perform. And if you're good at it, it's not that difficult. But there, Thomas, as you know, not all of our clients are really that great at record keeping. And if they're not, they shouldn't do this one or get help. Get like three, there are forms or government reporting that you're going to have to file. And you're probably going to have to pay a professional to help you file those, all right? Especially once your account reaches over a quarter of a million dollars and you're, you're having to file all the reporting forms, uh, you know, but, but, and then the last thing I'd say, and I've said this for years, but now other people are starting to say it too, is I think it's a definite audit magnet. And again, an audit doesn't scare me because my whole life, I'm an audit magnet, right? Doing my job, right? So 
I, you know, I live it above the board and I keep good records of everything that I do. And if that's you, don't be scared of it. But I'm not the only person saying that. And I heard Ed Slot um, just recent thing, be careful solo 401ks because, and take care of them because they're looking over the next few years to how to get more money into the government without raising taxes. And it's really clear you're going to get more power to the IRS and let them, let them go for it, in my opinion. Yeah, so just got to make sure you're keeping really good books and records whenever you're using. Yeah, if you can do it, if you can do it, it's so good. It's like really, really good. But can be. I've seen some people. Most of the things that I've seen go wrong inside of retirement accounts over my years have were related to this type of thing. Yeah, you know, we always say you have to document everything, and it's a pain. It's a pain when you're an entrepreneur or a business owner to have to hear that from your accountant or from from whoever. But it's it, it can save you in, in the event of an audit, and it could be really. Yeah, you know, or could, could really put you in a bad spot in the event of audit if you did not do all that. Um, so kind of- uh, Before we change subject real quick, I will tell you one thing that I've seen people do, and maybe you tell me, I've seen people invest into a syndicate deal with their traditional SEP IRA, find out they're going to make profit, just learn afterwards that they had unrelated business income tax and were able to open a solo 401k after doing the deal right? And still avoid the, the, the unrelated business income tax because it hadn't been re realized yet. We just simply moved an in-kind transfer into yeah. it. Well, yeah, we've seen a lot of people do that. And we actually sometimes recommend that if people start to get nervous about the, the UDFI exposure or the UBIT exposure, it, we just start to say, hey, well, you could do an, a transfer in-kind to a solo 401k. You know, you just have to figure out a way to open a solo 401k. Some people aren't eligible for solo 401ks. Right. Not you have to create employed. the income and so forth. But I, I think that's, I just wanted to make, mention that as a point because every once I hear people hearing this on the radio and they're like, God, I already did this. I'm like, well, it may not be too late. You might still be able to fix it. Talk to your CPA. You know, and, and kind of speaking, you know, I guess going along these similar, similar veins. So we do see a lot of real estate naturally where the real estate CPA, we see a lot of real estate investments throughout self-directed retirement accounts. But what, what other businesses or what other types of interesting alternative investments have you seen these accounts be used for? Well, I mean, it is one of the advantages of my job. I get to see a lot of weird stuff. You know, we are holding about $4 billion in assets. Um, you know, I think the most interesting sometimes is the startup companies that you see that occur. You, you, you know, you get to see some very um, progressive startup companies. Some of, and uh, um, a lot of them don't do well you know, like startup companies do, but we've seen some that have really come to do well, uh, including a group of scientists here recently, all retired from NASA and put in their, they, they, uh, they're working on some new rocket ships or something. I don't know what their IRA is, but it's interesting. You know, they're, they're really nerdy people. It's really fun to talk to them because they're really excited about their investments and their, their startup business. I think for most people, um, I think that investing shouldn't be a, a trip to Disneyland. And sometimes we treat it like it should be, right? I think the best investing is learning how to invest in what you do, repeat and re rinse, right? Be willing to change with the market, you know, but also don't, more people get caught in what I call shiny penny syndrome, right? Yeah. You could my brother is a master at getting 3,000% interest on a deal or something like that. But he'll tell you he never, that's not how he's making his money. He does that for entertainment and to learn, right? Yeah. Because 
the time involved in one of those deals never actually amount to him making very much money. What makes him the money is the regular old deals that we do all the time. Just a hard money loan, a long-term syndication deal, a buy and hold piece of real estate. You know, if you can debt leverage it, do better. Honestly, for most people, that's the best thing to do. Yeah, you know, it is a lot of people get caught up in it. I see it all day. I'm even tempted to do it sometimes too. And I know better. It's like get caught up in whatever the the investment of the day is. These days it's uh cryptocurrencies. Oh god. And, yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't comment on you know what the future of that looks like, but you know, to me that's very speculative. And that's not something that you necessarily probably want to put your retirement money in. I, I gotta tell you, um forgive me, but I won't hold it. I will hold my company's people. I, I could make tons of money off of fees off of that. It'd be very profitable for me as a company to hold it. I just can't, I just can't stomach watching it when it falls down, watching all those people lose their money. So I, I won't hold assets like that that are that crazy, I think. Yeah. You I know, know, it's very opinionated and probably some callers on the call disagree. <laughs> I upset them. You, you know what it is? It's, it's, it, I would have to agree with that. It's a retirement account. It's meant to save for your future, for your retirement. Um, and it's not a gambling machine. So, you know, you want to put in more conservative investments, investments that historically have done well. I mean, you have stocks, of course, um, and that, you know, that that's one avenue, but then you have rental real estate, which is proven, you know, to be, you know, to, to be a, a solid investment. So it's not something that you want to gamble with your retirement account money, but kind of just shifting gears a little bit. We do have a lot of people ask how they can contribute more to their retirement accounts, how they can max them out. We all know that, the current limit's 19500 on the employee side for a 401k, and you can invest uh, up to a total of 58000 if you have a, four, a, a 401k with the employer contribution and profit matching. Um, and then with individual retirement accounts, standard IRAs, it's currently $6,000 um, unless you have one of the catch-up provisions. Uh, but do you know of any lucrative strategies that people can use to well, really max I, I go back to two strategies, all right? First of all, I think that sometimes we got to get away from the way to get a big giant retirement account is to work hard and shovel a bunch of money into savings. I think it's important to save, right? And get there. But the real trick is taking the money you have and then learning how to apply the skills that are already in your head. Things you already know how to do. You know, if I, my mom, my mom is a great, landlord through a year she people would never miss her they would not only i'm the worst at it i hate it thomas but this is what she was good at you know you know i mean i i fight to get my rent checks they would not only bring her rent checks they bring her like a piece of pie with it i never understood that you know (laughs) you know they love my mom right she would have renters stay with her for 19 years and stuff my point being that's what she's really good at that's what she should focus on all right um but so many people get away from that, I think. You guys, yeah. it's like it's like what Warren Buffett says, Buffett says, right? You gotta stick to your your circle of competency and you know, not go, not not try to get too far outside of that. Otherwise, you might you might have losing a lot of money. But that's interesting. I don't know what the pie thing is, though. I know that uh, one of my uh, one of my friends, he has he has a landlord, and uh, every time he goes and pays rent, they give him cookies or something like that, like homemade baked <laughs> cookies. But hey, I guess it's just a it's just the perk. To perk there um if it works you know if you 
So I guess, you know, at this point, if someone wanted to, 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 to open up a self-directed retirement account, what, what are the first steps for them to do so? I think that it's really good to understand what you want to do. So the real first steps is to get a little education. And it's really easy to get education. At my company, we, you can either get online and just chat to someone. It's not like a, it's actually an IRA specialist that will be answering your chat. You can send an email. You just pick up the phone, call like the old-fashioned way, and call and talk about what you want to do. Is usually the best thing, because, and just you want to openly talk about what it is that you want and your goals. Here's the thing that's cool, or I'll point out about talking to an IRA specialist at a self-directed custodian. They have no horse in the game. They're highly trained. So. Here it is. Here's an opportunity for you to, for free, talk to somebody that knows a lot about your retirements and what you want to do and ways that you could do it, that they don't care what you do. They're not getting a commission off of what the decision is you make. And it's very hard for you to get access to that type of information. And, 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 and they'll probably want to talk to you about what investments you want to do, you know, but then they'll start to talk about what is your family planning? wealth building strategies. Do you have kids? Do you have a covered L education? How do you handle your health care? How do you do it? As that education builds on itself, you know, and you can watch the videos, hundreds of videos, you can read the articles, whatever you want. I got a whole huge education center, you know, uh, figure out what you want to do. But it's most of the time, just pick up the phone and figure out what you want to do. And then have that education tailor-made to your situation. You go through the education and decide. If you already know what you want to do, it's super simple. It's open account, name, rank, and serial number, and who gets it when you die, and this is what I want to invest in. And then they just walk you through it. There's just nothing to it. Um, always, everyone always acts like it's really expensive too, Thomas. Average person pays between $150 to $350 a year total fees a year. So a lot less than what most people pay in commissions and stuff like that to broker fees. You know, and frankly, we don't do a lot. We're not finding the investment. We're not doing that. We're just doing the paperwork. Yeah. So as the custodian, you're, you're more or less just holding, just holding the, the account open for the person and they're, well, they're in the driver's seat. We actually also hold the title. That's really important that people don't understand. The title to the piece of real estate is in the name of the custodian with your name referenced. Just like if Charles Schwab purchased you a stock. They're actually holding that stock for you. And then they're, then you're overseen by the Texas Banking Commission to make sure that we're holding those assets correctly. Yeah, you know, that actually brings up a really good question that, that we get asked from time to time. And it's, you know, should a self-directed retirement account have its own EIN number or is that, or is the EIN number of the custodian the one often used for say filing the 990T? Well, it's, it's like the adult diaper. It depends, Thomas. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, uh, Honestly, if you're filing, if you're in a situation where you have to file a 990 uh, tax return, a lot of times I like to see them in, in most syndication deals because the separation of the K-1, it's just easier to do that. Two, it's very easy to get an EIN number for your IRA. If I'm paying cash for a rental property, I'm never going to file a 990T. There's no reason for your IRA to have it. I would say only about 25% of my clients have an EIN for their IRA. I know some of the other custodians require you to do it every single time, but there's just a vast majority of my clients that are lenders 
and owning private real estate. They're not involved in a syndication. They're not filing a 990T. They're not going to be in that situation, so they don't need it. So that, that, but, that clears it up, though. That clears it up. Yeah. It just depends on what you want to do. But it's it's a simple process. Um, and, and the only reason why you would need one is you just have to look at the tax situation. Right? If we're reporting taxes against the Quest EIN number, that's going to confuse the IRS. They need to have those separate. You don't want to be in there with a bunch of other people. So that's yeah, all. yeah, you want it to be cleaner. You want it to because you know the one reason to file the 990T if you're if you invest in the syndicates, of course, at some point you might have an actual filing requirement. Uh, say you have the 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 unrelated business in, you know, excuse me, the, the income over a thousand dollars. Um, so you have that requirement, but other times, even when you're in a loss, you still may want to file that 990T so you can capture that loss against any gain, you know, that you would hopefully get when, when the Absolutely. investments run its course or when you decide to sell the investment. So, um, but you know, is there any, other, any, any other interesting things that, you know, our listeners should know about self-directed retirement accounts that maybe we haven't touched on yet? Well, I think that honestly, most people, your callers are pretty educated. Your people that are going out there, right? Yeah. Uh, but they still, I still think they underuse the education services that you can get through through us. One of the big things I think that they they miss is using the specialty accounts and learning how to partner. That's the health savings account. My God, I'm telling you, if a Roth IRA is a cornerstone of building wealth and owning a home right there in there with it in today's world is a health savings account. It's the most powerful thing. And so many people don't even understand it. You put the money in, it's a tax deduction. You can take it out tax-free and you can invest it and you can pick up investments from years past. And it can not only be your expenses, the expenses of your dependents. Once you start putting all these little ideas together, right? And learning how to leverage them on top of each other, especially when we're partnering them with our bigger accounts. My God, that's powerful. Yeah. You know, that's actually really good. We never actually really dove into, into health savings accounts, uh, you know, on this podcast yet. I don't think in any material way, but kind of to break it down what a health savings account basically is. If you have a high deductible health plan, you're eligible to open up um, the account, the HSA, and you can put a, a certain amount in every year. I forgot what the numbers are off the top of my head, but every year, then you could use that money to, you know, pay back bills. It's basically uh, a way to pay medical bills tax-free, but also it can grow as an investment. Um, and if you, you could put it into like, you know, a, a number of different things, I guess, I'm guessing you could self-direct it. Um, but yeah, I guess people tell me it's like a triple tax advantage that this, the HSA, right? Because you put the money in tax-free, it can grow tax-free, it can come out tax-free. And I think even, you know, it, after you hit, I think 65, um, it can actually be used as a retirement account. Well, is yeah, that, you, you can't transfer it over, but, but then it's just tax deferred. So it's usually not beneficial. Most people can find an excuse because uh, with HSAs, what they call healthcare is very broad. It includes optical, dental, uh, holistic medicine, massage, all types of things that we're spending money on after tax money. And instead, you could be using this account making money, right? And it's not only your expenses, it's yours, your spouse, and any dependents you have on your tax return, even if they're not on the healthcare coverage. 
and it continues to grow into the future tax-free. So 90% of the chance you're, you're going to get sick or die sometime. You're going to have a chance to use yeah. this account, right? And you can also pass it on to others, okay? And your family in certain circumstances. It's super powerful. And all of us will get sick at some time in our life. And you know from dealing with your clients that the number th one that depletes uh, uh, assets at the end of life is wearing down on the medical bills. Like you yeah. get sick, you're gonna spend all your money to get better. So learning how to have a big, fat, healthy health savings account, especially in today's world, and especially in understanding how it works with insurance is one of those tools that I think are gonna become fundamental in wealth building. Yeah. And me and you think of the same way. Wealth building is not making money. Wealth building is learning how to control your whole life through the understanding of financial instruments, right? And that includes providing wealth for you or money for you now, but also for your future and your children's future and their future's future. Yeah, no, and if you think about it, if you think about the long-term view, like you said, you know, eventually you're going to get sick. Eventually something's going to happen. Building up that health savings account really doesn't have that many downsides because at some like. You know, if you have kids, you're going to end up spending a lot of money. Everybody knows how, how much money people spend on children. Um, so uh, that makes a lot of sense to have the health savings account if you're eligible for one as a cornerstone of your family. All right, I got plan. two more last tiny little fun facts about HSA, and then I'll leave it alone. Right. One, one time in your life, you can move money over from your SEP IRA, your traditional IRA, your 401k, a tax deferred account to an HSA. And the movement is not taxable. So you move it from something that you can't use till you're 59 and a half to movement you can use right now. And it doesn't, and you move it from a taxable account to a tax-free account one time in your life. Super fun. Anyway, way to fund your HSA. A lot of people don't know that they can do that movement. It's only up to their contribution limit, but you could also use it for a lot of fun things. If I, I teach a class about health savings the cloud, and in the class, I'll show you how I bought an airplane engine for a 1952 Cessna 170B using my health savings account with completely tax-free money. And no, an airplane engine is not a medical expense. So I bought a toy. In other words, there's because you can pick up expenses from years past and use them to take out money out of the account. And there's no limit to how far you go back. It's just back to when the health savings account started. So you can have dental expenses from years ago, which is what I did. Is I picked those up, turned those in from 11 years ago when the account only had a little tiny bit of money in it, not enough to pay those bills. Yeah, Grew it into this big account, bought, took some of the money out and bought a toy during my midlife crisis. It's very interesting because I, I was listening to another podcast not too long ago where they're like, save all your health. Basically, the strategy was, I think, is, is the one you're explaining. It's like, let your account build. Don't pay your don't pay your medical bills with it right away. Let save all your receipts, document all your receipts, and then go take it out later on once your account's grown significantly. That's right. It's like a free savings account if you just hold on to the receipts. And and it's yeah. to be fair, it's also not very audited account. Not too many people are are crazy enough to be buying you know apartment complexes with their health savings account. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is tough to get to get that up, I guess, I, to get like the, the, the amount of your HSA, you know, uh, substantial, I guess, unless you're going to do that transfer, like you had said. Well, you, you can only transfer up to the contribution on. limit. So it's still a small account. The real trick is learning to take the yeah. small account, partnering it with a bigger account and, and letting them ride together to create, uh, well, 
or using leverage or knowledge in certain areas. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I guess if, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, learn more about you or Quest, Quest Trust, how would they be able to do so? Uh, my email is just nathan.long at questtrust.com. Or it's probably better to just ask for any IRA specialist at questtrust.com or our education site. But just email me directly. I don't care. I'll get you in touch with someone. If you have a question, I'll answer. I answer my emails. We're not that big yet, Thomas. Uh, no, I hear you. I, I hear you. So, you know, uh, thanks again for taking time to come on the show today. Looking forward to putting this out there. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to learn about the HSA, the stuff that they didn't know about before. So, hey, I, I take one last minute and throw something out for you. I really appreciate you guys. We, we work with a lot of people and trying to put on a lot of stuff. And a lot of times I'm always kind of wondering, you know, a lot of self-serving information out there and the information that you guys have is really good, really well-researched. And I think that you're doing a really good service to our investment community. So I'll personally take time to thank you for that. I appreciate that. And likewise, you know, every time we go to quest, you know, quest is always super helpful. So it's, 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 it, it works full circle, I guess you could say. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate you. Tom. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.